I wanted to read this scripture to you. It says, uh, it's, it's Jeremiah one eleven. This is such a powerful scripture that the Lord spoke to me actually last year when I was in uh, Argentina um, at their thing, their conference down there. It says, the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? What do you see? That's such an amazing question that it just has, ever since the Lord spoke it to me last year, it's just gripped my heart about what, what do I see? And I think it's a question we all need to ask ourselves. I think it's a question God's asking us a lot more than we realize. What are you seeing uh, right now? Because what you see is where you're going in life. What you see, have you ever driven a car and you started looking at something on the side of the road? Your car will start going towards you without consciously being aware of it. And that's the way it is with our life. What we're looking at, what we see, is where we're going. And if you want to change where you're going, if you want to see your life really change, you've got to change what you're seeing. It's really, it's really so true. And God is, is totally enthralled with helping people to see something different to see life different, to see yourself different. And more than anything else, God wants us to see Him different because the way you see God affects how you see everything. Everything. It affects how you see everybody around you. It affects how you see yourself. It affects how you see your circumstances. So if you want to see life different, you know, you've got to see, you got to, it really starts with God Himself. Now, God has to reveal Himself to you. God has to give you revelation about Himself. But God is more interested in doing that than we are receiving that revelation. I don't think that God has made it difficult for man to really know Him. I mean, that's what the Bible really teaches us in Romans, that God has made Himself aware. He's made Himself known just even through nature. In other words, God was saying, I'm going to go to the lowest denomination on man, the lowest level I can get. To get man to see that I have made myself available to mankind. I have made myself known just through nature itself. That's how how God has stepped into our world. To be able to see Him and know know God is, is I believe, the issue is not on God's part. I believe the issue is on our part is is what we're seeing about God, which is is affected by what what we believe. So... Um, I wanted to say uh, this is one of the most amazing things that God has done in my life has to do in the, in the realm of sin. Uh, that's why this scripture just grabs hold of my heart so much. Um, of, of having eyes to see the invisible, really. God really wants us all to see the invisible. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4. He says that without seeing the invisible... You will lose heart in life. You will become discouraged. You will lose your way in life when you can't, when all you can see is what every other human being on this planet sees. If all what you see is what the world sees, you've seen nothing. You've, you've, you know, you've seen nothing. You're, but if you can begin to see what God sees, if you can begin to develop eyes to see that God has given every human being, the ability to see something that you can't see with natural eyes. He's given us that. And that's really what He wants to draw out of people um, to be able to see the invisible, to, to see an invisible God. Right? To see an invisible God, to see Him at work and see Him in, in situations and circumstances 
and not just see the world, you know, going in a direction and, and the chaos and the tumultuous things that are happening, not just see it from that perspective, but see God in all that and see what He sees about it. And even in your own life, your marriage, your, your children, to be able to see what God sees. That will change your life when you begin to see it from His perspective. But if all you see is what your natural eyes tell you, then you, you've missed it. We've missed everything. We've missed everything. One thing I discovered uh, about seeing is all my life, God, and I, didn't, I wasn't aware of this re- until looking back, God gave me this incredible gift to be able to look at a person and see potential in a person. Even when I was a little boy, I could see potential like in other kids, uh, whether it be athletic or intellectual. And I was always wanting to, to get behind those people to help them and, and speak what I saw in them. And I realize now that was a gift from God, a gift that will get you in a lot of trouble. Trust me, because you can, you can speak that over a person. You can help a person come into something that they're not ready to come into. Because you see, the, you see in them greatness. You see potential in them. It's discouraging to me when you see somebody who's carrying something. And they may not know it themselves. They're carrying greatness of God in them. And then years later, you see that that greatness was never was never manifest in their life. They never lived up to it. They never was able to tap into it. That has been a discouragement, and, or I tell you, and more than a discouragement, a beatiness when you put somebody like that in a place, like I said, and they're not really ready for it. God has not formed the character in them for that greatness to come forth, and you, you kind of suffer you know, for what you did. But there was one person that I could never see that about. I could not see that there was one human being that I could never see that about. And it was me. I could not see in me what God put in me. I couldn't see it. People would tell me stuff, but I could never see it. It was just blocked from me. It was like that was blocked from me. And God wants us to be able to see ourselves the way He sees us. Now, God's not a, he's, he's a, wise, he's a wise father about giving us the ability to see. Perhaps the reason God never let me see that about myself is because he knew how stupid I was, right? He knew that I wasn't ready to see what he saw. But there will come a time in your life when God wants you to see yourself the way he sees you. And you see, God doesn't just see the negative in you, but God will point out the negative in you. He'll point out the negative in you, but he does it in a way that's graceful and loving. Are y'all following this? I wanted to read this scripture here. Is Hebrews 4.13. I love this scripture now. I didn't love it before, but I love it now. It says, There's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Isn't that interesting? I think all of us would agree that God can see everything and anything at any time. He sees every secret thought that we have, right? He sees us when we're in the shower naked. Uh, he sees us in our most intimate moments. He sees everything about us, nothing hidden from God. Every motive of our heart, God sees. He sees your motives. He knows your motives. When you do something, He knows why you're doing it. He knows what's going on behind you in your life. There's nothing that you can hide from God. I think everybody in this room would agree that's the truth about God, right? 
uh, we don't have a problem knowing that we have a God like that. Somehow, when we're doing something bad, we try to block that thought out of our mind, right? Or y'all ain't done anything bad lately, right? From a person who's done lots of bad in their life and who has tried to block the thought that God can see what I'm doing out of my mind, I can tell you that's what, what we do. We try to ignore that fact. That's, that's being a human. Otherwise, we would think, think a little different. But here's, here's the truth. Until you experience God looking into your eyes and looking down into your soul, that scripture takes on a different meaning at that moment. Because when God peers into your life, when He looks into your soul, at that moment you are more naked than you ever have been in your life. You are completely stripped. Everything about you is exposed. I remember as a young believer hearing about men who talked about encountering the Lord and that happening to them. And they talked about the terror that put in their heart. It was a terrifying moment. It It was a moment they felt shook, shaked, because God saw into them. Well, I had that. I may have shared that. I was jet lagged if I did. So I, if you've heard this before, just say he was jet lagged. If I hear that, y'all know you've heard this. But I had God do that to me. And it was a, a terrifying moment because I felt God's eyes peer into my soul. Okay, I felt God's eyes peer into my soul. And the funny thing about it, he, he exposed something in me that I could have never seen about myself. Okay. So, uh, it was something, it wasn't the truth. There was something in me that wasn't true. And I was saying it to God, and he was saying, no, that's not true. This is the truth. Um, it was done in a really compassionate, loving way. It was God, Because God's a Father who doesn't come after us in any kind of emotion other than emotion of love and endearment. But the thing that I realized, I mean, there's so much more to this, because this, it's like this experience has stuck with me. It's like I can... And, and But here's the thing. It did for me. It made me realize that we will never, ever, ever on this planet truly be able to see the way God designed us to see until God... until somehow we have this experience on some level where God... we realize God is seeing us. Because when God... when, when God... When he looked into my soul, I also saw my soul. For the first time in my life, I saw myself the way God really sees me. Okay, now I will tell you one thing I did see that was really perfect. I saw a covering over me. And it was the covering of of Christ. I knew no matter what God saw in my soul, I knew I was covered. Okay? I was covered. There's this, this blood covering on every one of us in the spirit realm. Whether you, whether you know it or not, you're covered. When God looks at you, you're covered. There's a blood covering on you. And so that gives you a, a lot of confidence. But down under there, down under that blood, there's a person. There's a human being. There's a soul that's alive and real and has feelings and has thoughts and has emotions and has motivations that's there. And God let me see. He gave me a glimpse. Everything I saw was not wonderful, to be honest with you. I did, everything I saw was not wonderful. I saw 
the ability, I was given the ability for the first time in my life, though, to see, to really see how God saw me and to see the potential that God has put in me. And God has put potential in every human being. See, I could not see that until that moment when I, God let me. He, don't, he doesn't just look at us and help us to, wants us to see the negative. We can find fault with ourselves all day if we're truthful. We can find a lot wrong with us. But that is not, God is not interested just in those things. He's, I discourage people from trying to look into themselves. Right? You shouldn't try to look into your soul. That's a, that's a dumb thing to do unless the, the Spirit of God's on you to cause you to look. And when He wants you to look. So I believe God has given us the ability to really see something more than we're seeing. And, and um, Jim, when he was preaching over there, he shared this story about a long time ago, this encounter he had with the Lord back in the 70s. Now that makes Jim a young guy then. Uh, that was a long time ago, right? Seventies. It don't seem like long to me. I was just like, yeah, seventies. That was a couple, you know, a couple years ago. It seems. I mean, what happened to the seventies? <laughs> As my son reminds me, Dad, your day's over with. <laughs> you know, that's what he keeps telling me, and I keep telling him, no, my day's not over with. You know, you, you know, my day is just getting started good, but. Um, in this encounter, you know, he was caught up in the, the veil of the spiritual realm was open. He saw into the spirit world, and what he saw and what he heard was, was undoing for him. That's what he said. It really just tore him up. And when he wept, and um, then uh, after it was over with, he couldn't bear to look at, listen to this, he could not bear to look at another person because what he saw, he saw things. This is Jim's words. I saw things that is, no man is allowed to see. In other words, I saw into that person's soul and saw he was looking what God sees. is what he's saying. He couldn't bear to do it. It made him sick. Had to go to bed for two days. Now, I could just say this. How many young prophetic people would love the ability to look into somebody's eyes and look into their soul and see things and be able to declare things and speak things? I think a lot of people would like that, right? If you tell the truth, come on. If you want to be honest, we would love to be able to have to be gifted at that level. But here's what the problem with being gifted at that level is: is lots of times we don't have the maturity and character to deal with things. Okay, lots of times God gifts a person, powerfully gifts them, but they're not mature enough to deal with the gift because the gift will can can destroy them people and destroy themselves, and so God takes people through processes. He endows them with things, but it doesn't necessarily mean tomorrow suddenly they're going to be moving in this powerful gift. Uh, I'll take liberties with Jim. Jim was a young man in the 70s. Jim was not ready for that kind of, to carry that kind of weight of responsibility spiritually to be able to look into people's eyes like that. That's why it didn't keep going. And that's why he, he, he wanted to hide his face from him. Because he knew he was wise enough at that point to know I can't, I'm not allowed to see this. And so that means at some point God will really release that again in Jim's life to be able to see on that level. But I, I want you to get this point. I ran into this girl over there, and uh, I was told that she was a very powerfully prophetic woman. And she was kind of young. You know, I don't know how old she was. 
it's hard to tell in other cultures sometimes about age, but so I was going to get her to pray for me. She said, I'll pray for you if you'll pray for me. I said, okay. So I looked in her eyes, and when I looked in her eyes, all of a sudden, I was back in that moment where God was looking. I realized that girl was seeing into my soul, and it, it was frightening to me, okay, because I don't want somebody, another person looking into my soul, you know what I'm saying? I don't want another person seeing the real me. I want God doing that. And I realized this woman was really highly gifted. And then she started giving me all these words. That were, some of them, you know, were like, oh, yeah, that's just duh, right? Some of them were like thoughts for me that I'd never considered in my entire life about myself. Stuff she began to tell me. Are y'all following this? I'm just telling you some stories right now. I do have a point in all this, by the way. I'm going to read a scripture in a minute, trust me. <laughs> Make this a legal message. And then, then it was my turn to pray for her. See, I thought this was really interesting. I wasn't putting all this together at the time. And, and I saw three things over her. Is I saw one, I saw the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And I knew that girl had an apostolic calling in her life to be sent. Second thing I saw was I saw a link, which I had a hard time explaining that, what a link meant. (laughs) She could speak English, but she couldn't understand this link thing. A link like in a necklace or a link like in a chain. And that God wanted her linked up to a church body. That's what I, God wants you linked to a church body. And from there you can go out like, and I explained how Paul the Apostle went in and out of Antioch because that was his his base, that was the people who were behind him. That was his home. That was his safe place. That was his harbor. That was the people who could speak into Paul's life and declare things over him and help Paul become Paul the apostle. I said, you really need to have that. And the last thing I saw was I saw a Bible. And I said, you can't build, you got to build your life on what the scriptures say. You can't build your life off your gift. Okay? And so I realized this girl has an amazing, an amazing she has a Bob Jones level of gifting. But she, I've had Bob Jones look at me and see right into me, but it didn't bother me because he was an old, matured man. He was an old, broken man. He was an old man who God had used to, to speak into many people's life. And for him to see, you, you felt safe. You felt that you were being covered and taken care of. And that, see, that's really what God really wants for the body of Christ. That's what he wants for all of us when it comes to, to being able to have eyes to see is he really is looking for people who are, number one, willing, willing to say, I, I, I need to see something different than what I'm seeing. I don't need to just keep seeing what I've been seeing because I need my life to be different and I need to look at the world different. I'm making decisions and choices based on something that I think is right because I think I see what's right, but you're not. It's a bad choice. It's a bad decision because you're not making it on what God's heart is. You, you following that? How can we make good choices and decisions in life if we're not seeing it with the eyes of God? We can't. It's impossible. And God knows that. And therefore, therefore God has given us the ability to see. He invites people into this realm of sin. It's not just about having visions and dreams and being prophetic. It has to start with yourself about how to take care of your own life and be the person that God called you to be. Otherwise, you'll never be able to be that person. 
You'll try to be something else. You'll be a false version of yourself. And you'll do stuff you shouldn't do because you're not being your real self. Anyways, let me read this scripture here. Are you okay? Are y'all happy? I'm sorry if you're not. My job is not to make you happy or sad. <laughs> Anyways, that would be somebody else's job. Thank you, Lord. Right. Number uh, Matthew 6, 22 through 23. Uh, the lamp of the body is the eye. This is Jesus speaking, by the way, in the Sermon on the Mount, which is like what has been termed the Magna Carta of the kingdom. This is how the kingdom of God works. Wow, it's really a powerful message if you really study it. He says, if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So, good eye, bad eye. You can have a bad eye and think your eye is good. That's what he's saying. You can have, that's what he said at the end. You can be seeing things and think you're seeing right. And he's saying, you're wrong. You're wrong. How great is the darkness in you? That's what he's saying. If your eye is bad. Now, what does that mean? What's a bad eye? What's a good eye? And I wanted to just give you a few thoughts about that. And uh, in verse, verses uh, 19 through 21, which is right before what I just read, this is what it says. It's interesting. This is one of those kind of verses you can't just extract out of the Bible, okay, and just build a whole realm of, of understanding without looking what he was trying to say because it wasn't, you know, it's like taking one sentence a person says and says, this is what this person believes, you know, and, and, and they said a whole bunch of stuff before and after it to really give understanding what they believe. That's why the polit, you know, political commercials are bad when they show some opponent on saying something and they just cut and pasted stuff. That's why you need to be able to see good to see what's really going on. But he said this in verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then he talks about your eye. This is, they're connected. He's not just like shifting. Well, let me talk about your vision, your ability to see uh, visions and have dreams. He was not shifting there. He was saying, if you're going to have a good eye, this is something that you're going to have to face about your treasure. What's your treasure? Where's your treasure? Who's your treasure? Truly, what is it? Because this is going to affect how you see everything. That's what he was saying. He was saying, whatever your treasure is, is going to have an effect on what you see and affect your opinions and your beliefs about your life and your decisions about your life. That's what Jesus was saying. He says, in the kingdom, this is how it all works. And then, this is even even more interesting, verses after the good eye, bad eye verses, he says this in verse 21. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Don't you love that verse? Ah. You know, that verse can give you some difficulties because Jesus does not give a whole lot of wiggle room here. He doesn't give like, oh, you know, there's, there's two ways. He, you know, there's the right, there's God's way. You know, we used to say there's right, the right way, the wrong way, and the wicker way. That's what we say. 
I'm just using myself, but we used to say that other in, when I was in the engineer world, you know. Because some engineers can be so difficult that they know everything. There's a right way, there's a wrong way. Then there's the Byron Wicker way. So let him have his way and find out that he's wrong. <laughs> but I, I never said that about myself. I always thought I was right. I was like, yeah, I know I'm, I'm, I'm right here. Anyways, he then says you cannot serve God in money. That's what he said. You can't serve both. So he was saying this. He was trying to, trying to get us to see something here about our eyes and about seeing things and seeing life right. He was trying to say, one, you're, it's like, because that's sandwiched between money, sandwiched between uh, your treasure. What's your treasure? And about what you serve and what you're about in life. And if you are about money and having money and having things, he's saying that's not going to work for you. That doesn't work in the kingdom is what he was saying. This is not how the kingdom works. He's not saying money is a bad thing and, and he's not saying it's, it's bad to have money and things. He's just saying, but if that's where your heart is, it's going to cause your eye to be bad and you won't even know it. And I would like to have more money. I'll be honest with you. Now, let me show you this one other thing. Are you all good, Seal? Um, it's called the parables of the worker in the vineyard. Okay, I want to show you this. This is interesting here. Uh, it's, in, it's in Matthew 20. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So it's like day workers. This is crazy. When we were in, over there in China, every morning we would pass by this place where they were day laborers. There were men. I was seeing this every day. Men lined up hoping to get work that day at a little station there where people would come and hire these guys to do whatever, whatever they need. And there were men that were lined up waiting for, to get a job, just like right here. And I knew God was really trying to talk to me. I knew He was really wanting me to see something about my life that I wasn't seeing. And, that's, and I never put these. So this goes on in this, in this parable. This man goes out in the morning, first thing in the morning, and hires, hires these guys at 8 o'clock in the morning to go to work in his field. And he comes back at 10 o'clock and hires some more. And then he comes back at 12. And he comes back at 2. He comes back at 4 o'clock and hires people. And at 5 o'clock is quitting time. And because they were day laborers, they all lined up to get their money. And it says the last ones were in the front of the line, all the way down. The ones who came in at 4 o'clock were at the front, you know, two, all the way down to the last ones who had worked their rear ends off all day long. And he began to pay the people. And, the, to the, sh and the, the, the shock of the ones at last, they saw him pay those guys who had worked an hour, and they thought, good Lord, those guys, they, he gave them what we thought we were going to get. He gave them a whole day's pay. So we're going to get eight times. We're going to get eight times the money we thought we were going to get. And they were so excited. Okay, because he saw them. Every, every one of them, he was giving them the same amount of money that the ones who worked all day thought they were going to get. Okay, and then it says the last ones came up. And they were expecting to get like, you know, eight. Suppose it was $100. We're going to get 800 bucks. 
because he gave those guys who worked an hour a hundred bucks. So we're going to get eight. We, he was paying us eight hundred dollars an hour. They were ecstatic. If some of them were bad guys, like you know, I don't have to work for eight days now because I have eight hundred bucks. I can just go. You know, I don't have to go lay around and drink and carry on. You know, the other good guys like that, they were thinking, man. This is going to really help me get ahead in life. I can pay off some of my bills. This is amazing. This guy is the most amazing guy. I'm, I'm adding, of course, a lot of my, how I would think if I was that guy, you know, if I was the guy at the end of the line. And then it says, uh, uh, he gave the money to the last ones. And it says, when they received it, they complained against him. Suddenly their joy went to anger, like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean you've given us this? They said, these last men have only worked an hour and you made them equal to us. You've made them equal to us. We've borne the work. We've borne it today. We were in the heat of the day. And those bubs came in at the end and you gave them the same thing. You did. You dishonored us. This is not fair, God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about already? Because if you don't, you're in trouble. Because <laughs> God's going to get you. <laughs> in a good way. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. I'm doing you no wrong, friend. I gave you what I agreed to give you. I told you this is what I'll give you. And I've given it to you. Why are you mad at me? Because I chose to be loving and gracious to these other guys and give them a favor. Why have you decided that I'm a bad guy for doing that? This is, this is crazy. Did you, you? You agreed to this, right? You agreed that you would do this. Yes, we agreed. But still. Then he said, just take what's yours and just go. Go away. Just take what's yours and go your way with it. I wish to give to this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil, evil? Or is your eye bad because I'm good? Is your eye bad because I'm good? I don't know about you, but this is, this is how I feel. You ever been around somebody that got a raise and you didn't? Or, or got a job and you didn't? Anybody ever had that? Or maybe if you're a young person, all your buddies got married and you're still left single. Or you didn't get invited to the prom you know, I don't, I don't get that, but I'm not sure people understand that kind of thing. I was, I was glad I didn't get invited to the prom. In fact, I was supposed to invite somebody. <laughs> I kind of messed this thing up. I was waiting on them to invite me. Or somebody who has incredible favor on their life. Incredible favor. And you don't. And you wonder. You see, that's what he was saying. That's what he was saying. Is... Are you going to be down on me because I'm a gracious God? The same grace that you want to have in your life and the blessings that I've given you, you can't stand it 
you're burning with envy, you're burning with jealousy, you're resentful, you're offended because I'm blessing them and you don't, you're not getting the same blessing and you're offended at me about that? You see, what he's saying is when we, when we have that posture, and I promise you, if you're a human being sitting here today, if you're human at all, you've had all that in your heart because we're all human. And we look at others and we resent. We resent when we see God do things for other people. We re- Let's just be real here. We resent it, especially when it's something we want God to do for us. See, that's the thing that will cause you to lose your ability to see. They were resentful. They were offended at the landowner. And it just, and, and, and he says, your eye, I'm, I'm good. I'm gracious. Why can't you rejoice in that? Of me being good and gracious to other people. Why can't you be happy about that? Instead of being offended by that. Why can't you rejoice when you see others have favor and success? Because if you don't, see, it hurts us. That's what he was trying to say. That is what will hurt you. That is what will blind you. And your blindness will be in you will be great. And you will think you have light. You will think you're right. You will think you're justified. But you're really blind. You're really blind. You're blinded. And you don't even know it. I told you what happened to me. When the Lord spoke to me, let me tell you again just to remind you. I started thinking about this guy. This, this, he's actually a friend of mine, still a friend of mine to this day. I love this guy. Well, let me just say it like this. I started thinking about him on the airplane. And I said, Lord, he used to be part of the church. I really hate he left the church because I loved him so much. And the Lord spoke to me. He says, you loved him for what he could do for you. You didn't love him. And I realized at that moment, that's what blinds you. What's in it for me? What can I get out of it? You see, when that's what our heart is, and I realized at that moment, like, Lord, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be that guy who everybody in my life, every relationship I have is based on, you know, what people do for me or don't do for me. But I love somebody because they do something for me. They provide something for me. I don't want to love, I want to really love people like God loves them because God is love. And that was really, I could have never dreamed up in a million years that I felt that way. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't have come up with that. I wasn't clever enough to know that. Only God would know that truth. And it was really God's mercy in my life at that moment to tell me the truth about me and help me to see the real truth that was really going on in my heart. And really, that was just an example God was using. And I began to really pray about it. And uh, I, I just really go ahead and, and show, give you an, another terrible example about me, if you want to hear a, another terrible. So this friend of mine who's got this church down in the deep south sent me this video of his church. Okay? He took a video, walked through his church, and uh, so he sent it. So I was watching the video. And in my mind, I was thinking, well, you know what? That guy, he does not deserve this, Lord. He does not deserve this. He's got everything I want. 
That's what I said to the Lord. He's got what I want in a building. Why is he getting it, Lord? Because two years ago, Lord, he did something really bad and people don't know it and I know it. I know what he did and he does not deserve it. And as I was saying that, as I was saying that, I realized I was no different. Here I am. I'm just this guy. I'm this guy who's offended at God, resentful because he's blessed this guy. He's done something for him that I wanted God to do for me. And God didn't do that for me. In fact, he sort of did the opposite for me in some ways. And I was resentful. And I realized that somehow, Lord, this thing goes a lot deeper in me than I, it wasn't just about not loving that one guy. It, it's about, it's about me, it's about this thing in me that's, that's keeping me and hindering me from being able to really see with the eyes of God and be able to see life as, it meant to, as it's meant to be and see myself and see others as God really wants it to be. Um, I wanted to read this one other verse because this is what the Lord, He gave me this little phrase as I was praying the next day about all that because I felt, I felt terrible about it, really. I felt, God, man, I'm just a daggone, I've got to be one of the worst failures in the world for God to have this amazing encounter with God and then turn around within a couple weeks doing even worse. You know, I mean, just, you know, just getting all in a, in a tizzy. But this is what the Lord said to me. He said this to me. He says, revelation brings blessing. That's what he says. Revelation brings blessing. Light brings blessing. If you want your life to be blessed, you need light. You need revelation. You need revelation on the scriptures, but you also need revelation about yourself. You need light about yourself. If you want your life to be blessed, and he gave me this script, and I thought, well, that's really great. Man, that sounds really, I know that's right, Lord, but this, you know, example. Matthew 16, 17. Jesus said to him, blessed, listen to this, blessed, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Blessed. When God begins to reveal himself to you as light, when he begins to bring light into your life, and some of it's not going to be pretty. Some of it's not, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a challenge because that's what we are. But to see, it's to bring a blessing in your life. God wants to bless people. Listen, that story about the vineyard, I've read that story hundreds of times, literally hundreds of times. It's never spoken to me like it has spoken to me now. I've never saw myself as being one of those guys. But I realize I'm one of those guys. That's why it's in there. To let me see, Byron, you don't want to be that guy. I don't want you to be that guy. Because it's hurting you. It's going to hinder you. Plus, I believe something else. I believe this. I believe the Lord is going to sweep across this nation. I believe he's going to sweep across this nation. And a long time ago, Arthur Burke said this when I was a young Christian. Said, when God moves, be surprised. You'll be surprised at who he uses. And you'll be surprised at who he doesn't use. 
When God moves, God will pick up some old guy who's barely could barely get through the day without falling away, and suddenly God could use this person powerfully. Now, what's what's going to be your position? You know, are you going to be able to embrace what God's doing? Or are you going to be offended by what God's doing because God suddenly decides to use people that you would not use? They don't qualify. They're not. They've messed up. They're not right. They don't deserve this. You see what I'm saying? It's really important, you know, what God's speaking right now. If the devil can get your revelation, he can get you. He can take you out. Okay? That's the truth. If he can steal your revelation, the things that are true that, you, that God's given you, if he, that's what he's after. He's after those things in your life. If he can get, it, get his hands on them and take them away from you, and one of the ways he gets them from you is he causes you to be that, be that guy, to be that resentful, offended, jealous person. And when you're like that, your eye, there's darkness that comes in your life. And the terrible thing about this darkness, as Jesus said, the terrible thing, your, your, your eye is bad and you're in darkness and you think, you think you're in light. You think you see, but you don't see. And it is just simply God's mercy when He shows us. You don't really see. You really don't see. Byron, you really are that guy. You really are that guy at the last end of the line complaining about the guys, how they didn't deserve it. You really are that guy. And the sooner you buy that, the more sooner you'll start really seeing again or start really seeing like you've never seen before. Are y'all all right? Y'all are sort of just looking at me like... <laughs> I just want to get in my heart. I want to get free of all that. I want to get free of it. When I came back from China, I said, Becky, you know, remember, remember the movie Matrix? And there was that blue pill and red pill thing. Y'all remember the blue pill? Eat the blue pill. Morpheus has told Neo or whatever. Eat the blue pill. Wake up in the morning. Believe what you want to believe. Life goes on. Or eat the red pill. And you'll see. I said, Becky, I feel like I ate the red pill. <laughs> I'm going down this rabbit hole of Byron Wicker, and I'm not really liking what everything I'm seeing. I'm not really liking it. Because the first thing you do when you eat the red pill is you look at the church and you want to start making your list about how bad the church is. And it's like, Lord, like, no, nah, no. Nah. You, it's not you. It's not about them. It's not about their failure. It's not about who they are. It's about you. It's Eat the red pill about yourself. And you might not like what you see, but you can get free. And I believe the Lord really wants to give all of us. He wants to, you know, eyes of our heart. He wants us to see. That's what He wants. He wants us to see. To really see. That's what God wants. And to be able to see, you've got to let him deal with that stuff that causes the bad eye. You really do have to, or you're not going to really see. And that's really what I want to encourage you to do, is ask God to treat you like he's treated me. Because I feel like God has loved on me through this. 
I feel like God's let me see some things about myself that I just didn't know. And there's probably more. And I'm kind of scared now. Like everything I'm thinking about, like now, how am I thinking about this? <laughs> I need to be careful. I need to be careful. I need to not, I need to, Lord, I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to be resentful. I don't want to be offended at you when you didn't do for me what you've done for somebody else. I don't want to be mad when you didn't heal somebody I prayed for or heal me and, or fix me or you didn't give me that financial blessing that you gave this person. I don't want to be, I want to like, yes, God, you're gracious, you're good, you're awesome. I'd like to have some of that myself. <laughs> I know this church in Raleigh that was given $1 million. $1 million, and they don't even know who gave it to them, but I do. I'm serious, I really do know. I have inside information, but they don't know. Well, anyways, you know, every pastor in the world was a bit envious of that, I would say. To get a check, an anonymous check for $1 million would be awesome, right? You know, I think that was a real test for a lot of people. I can't imagine how much of a test it was for that church, but... I think when we begin to rejoice in God's blessings on other people and quit being jealous about other people and offended about why you're not getting what you want, I think when we, when we begin to re- deal with that, it will open up a door of blessing in your life. It will open up avenues for God to move in your life. That's what I believe. So, amen. Let me pray for you right quick. I'm going to pray that God would do for you he may be already doing it. I hope he is. Don't be sad. Lord, I just pray for every person in this room. I believe there's a reality of life about ourselves and about our circumstances that we haven't really seen yet. But I believe you're going to open eyes, Lord. I believe eyes are going to be enlightened, Lord. The Bible says you're a God of love and God of light. And, Lord, you're coming to us with your love to give us your light. And I just pray that for every person, Lord. Every person in this room, I pray for their eye. Their eye would be good. Heal eyes this morning. I think that's what Jesus was talking about in Revelations with the Laodicean church. He says, you, you, you think you can see, but you're blind. I, I, here, take this, take this eye salve, the spiritual eye salve, and apply it to your eyes and let your eyes be healed so you can begin to see. Just ask him to do that. Just say, Lord, heal my eyes. Ask him. I want my. I want to see, Lord. I'm not going to accept not seeing. Just say that to him. Just use use your words. Say, I want to see, Lord. I want to see. I want to see, Lord. I want to see you, Father. I want to see what you're really like. I don't want to. I'm tired of everybody else telling me what you're like. I need to see for myself. And thank you for what other people have told me, Lord, but I want to see you more, Lord. I really do. And I want to see the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit moves, I want to see it. I'm not satisfied with other people seeing it and me not seeing it. I want to see, Lord. I want to see the Holy Spirit move. I want to see the movements in the earth of the Spirit and the heart longing of the Spirit in the earth. When the Spirit is brooding on something, I want to... I want to brood with the Spirit. When the Spirit is, is, is leaping for joy, I want to leap with joy with Him. Lord, I want to be led by Your Spirit. I want to see what You're doing. I want to hear what You're doing. And I want to do that with my life. And I just pray that for all of us, Lord. 
I pray we'd all see God, Father, you looking into our eyes. May you look in our eyes, Lord. And may we see ourselves for the first time like we've never seen ourselves before. And I just bless everybody in this room, Lord. Just bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.